Okay, folks, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim barakalana bina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'alta wa sahla. Wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'ta sahla. Allahumma a'ina ala jikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Abid. Danish, Zara, Ghassan, Amal, Anna, uh, Mariam, Zakaria, Allah, Zakaria. I'm now addicted to the Egyptian way of saying it. Absolutely addicted. Zakaria. And my Zakaria at home goes absolutely meant when I call him that. Yeah, Zakaria. Um, who else did we see? Fatima, Al Masriya, Mabrook, Ya Mubarak. Yeah, Bint Mubarak Mabruk, Maysara from Ahlul Malaysia, Ahsanun Nas, Saadiya, Baji Khalida from the States, Russian Jess, the twins, Asim, Noor, mashallah from London, Bilal, Habibi, Amriki, Ma is a Widad, Ahlan. Widad, you know what I do to seeds and teardrops of doubt? I open my mouth like that and I swallow it. And I eat it, yani, for lunch and drink it for lunch. Doubts are gone. Auntie Shakila, Suraya Baji, Salma, Um Ibrahim, Mesa. Mesa was so eager for this chapter that she came 24 hours early. MashaAllah, Hafidahullah. So, Sana, welcome. Uh, Fatima, the one day that you needed to keep up with the Afghan is today. Just so that we can rub with dad's face into it. And, uh, and uh, you know, all the rest of it. Let's have a look here. Jiwa. Jiwa. Okay. And Aqida. Shazia, mashallah. Alina. Anyway, good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Why is my head, is my head bent ever? It looks, it feels bent. It feels a bit bent. Okay. It's been so cold today. Oh my God, so cold today outside. I got caught outside. Anyway, alhamdulillah, mubarak everybody. Because Egypt are through to the court finals. No, no, no. Mubarak everybody because Algeria, our ambition get kicked out. No, 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 no. Mubarak everybody because we're starting the new chapter um, in our text, the book of the Jama'a. Kitabul Jama'a, right? Kitabul Jama'a? I bet it's not that at all. Bab, Salatul Jama'a. The chapter of the prayer of Jama'ah, the congregational prayer. Okay, so this is good news, mashallah, tabarakal rahman. Let's, um, you know, for all the new folks, first of all, Telegram group in the settings below, you'll see that. Number two, when you're looking at the link in, when you're looking at your YouTube video, uh, make sure that you press the button that says live and the red yani, dot should occur. It should show up. That means that you are getting the live picture. Um, so that's important as well. 
um, and you can click on study material. So you see that tab there, study material, you click on that and you will find the actual text of today's lesson. Today, uh, well, today and the next couple of weeks, we're going to be covering the following uh, section. It says, Okay. It's also possible, by the way, to make this That's depending on the different riwayat of Zad. There are different narrations of how, you know, it is actually, I mean, the meaning is essentially the same, but I'm just putting it out there that there are different narrations of, of Zad, or both end up being the same. But here, تَلْزَمُ الرِّجَالَ الصَّلَوَاتُ الْخَمْسِ لَا شَرْطُ وَلَهُ فِعْلُهَا فِي بَيْتِهِ وَتُسْتَحَبُّ صَلَاتُ أَهْلِ الثَّغْرِ فِي مَسْجِدٍ وَاحِدٍ وَالْأَفْضَلُ لِغَيْرِهِمْ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ الَّذِي لَا تُقَامُ فِيهِ الْجَمَاعَةَ إِلَّا بِحُضُورِهِ ثم ما كان أكثر جماعة ثم المسجد العتيق وأبعد عول وأبعد أولى من أقرب. Translation of which will suffice us for the next few weeks. It is required for men to pray in congregation. That's what's assumed. And the reason that I put that in brackets is because actually it is باب صلاة الجماعة تلزم الرجال للصلوات الخمس. Yani, meaning that salatul the the jama'ah uh, is referring to the title like a continuation, the congregational prayer. The men are obligated to do it for all five prayers, but it's not a condition. So it's difficult to translate it like how I want to translate it by not being authentic to the text. So I've stuck to being authentic to the text and I've put it in brackets. Just a little indication for why the translation looks a bit fractured. So it is required for men in brackets to pray in congregation, close brackets, for the five daily prayers. But it is not a condition. But it is not a condition. Condition of what? A condition of the prayer. Tell me if you're okay with that translation. Because I could have said, but it is not a condition of the prayer. Okay? Um, it is recommended for border guards to pray in a single mosque. For others, it is better in order... Okay, of excellence. Does the translation and the text give that indication? Order of excellence? Let me know that as well. For others, it is better, A, to pray in a mosque that would not establish the congregation without him, than B, the mosque that has the larger congregation, than C, the mosque which is oldest. The further away the mosque is, the better. So that's what we're going to be covering, as I said, for the next few weeks, uh, inshallah that kind of uh, 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 content. Banuqa, uh, the, 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 the notes, your notes is, <laughs> your notes is your notes, Banuqa. Yeah? Not my notes. <laughs> I wish I had notes. I wish I was that organized that I had notes. Your notes meaning your notes. You can write in there and you can save it and stuff. But just check with the rest of the guys. Anyone who used that function, does there little, some little little bits and pieces that mess up a little bit. So just check that, okay? And let's also post the, the uh, thingy, please. Let's also post the Telegram group where we all are meeting. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Assalamu uh, alaikum, Ajman, man. Good to see you, bro. And Arif Habibi, good to see you too. Good to see you too. Right. So let's uh, uh, jump straight in then, okay? This is a hot topic. 
hot topic because it's a classic one amongst the scholars, which yeah, a lot of Muslims don't want to hear about, frankly. Right. Um, but then secondly, uh, the reason it's a hot topic is because I think that regardless of my opinion, personal opinion, class opinion, I think the beauty of understanding fiqh is to know that its flexibility has a reason. That its flexibility and its varieties and its variant opinions and its uh, 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 encompassing space is encompassing and flexible for a reason. It encompasses new situations. It's flexible to new realities. And I don't know of a bigger reality that has tested the congregational prayer than the current one that we're in. And I don't know of a more relevant example for scholars to consider changing their opinion or adopting an opinion due to a political or current affairs situation. That is not something controversial for fiqh. Okay? Fiqh is something which is flexible according to the need and let alone the necessity. And it is it has a large healthy dose of culture involved in it. Not a significant amount, but a healthy dose, right? And we should be aware of that. All right, I'm going to put that as my disclaimer as we start straight away. All right, so in the text, in uh, uh, the Arabic text, Sharh al Mumtiq, volume four, uh, page 132, the uh, chapter, the prayer in congregation, Sheikh Uthameen, the he starts off by saying that, yeah, the way that the author has put this chapter, he's talking about um, those specific prayers which are performed in congregation, because there are some that might not be. So this is referring to those prayers that are performed in congregation. He said that this is something which is legislated by the consensus of the Ummah of Islam, and it is from the greatest of the acts of worship, and it is one of the most expressive and leading forms of obedience not only is it a great act of worship and by that that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy and that you have achieved a great reward but it is also min it's like from the most magnificent acts of obedience meaning it really you know some acts of worship are easy right some acts of worship are not so easy. Some acts of worship people like naturally, right? Some some acts of worship people. I'm trying to think of it like an easy, easy, natural example, um, like a really natural example. I don't know. I can't think of a natural, dunyai kind of easy act of worship. Someone help me out there and just think of something. One that doesn't. One that nobody needs to be. Yes, excellent. That's so good, Salma. Really, really good. Smiling. That's an excellent, excellent example. It's an act of worship. It's a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to be positive at all times and then specifically to disarm strangers and to make people feel comfortable with you like the sending of salam. That's a beautiful example. Others are not so. Performing fajr in jama'ah is not one of the easy acts of ibadah. The, the reason why the vast majority of Muslims, 99.9% of the Muslims, do not perform the congregational prayer in jama'ah. Am I accurate in that? Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Anybody else comfortable with that? 
99.9% of the Muslims do not perform the Fajr prayer in Jama'ah, neither at home and neither in the masjid. Because it's two different things. Okay? I'm, no, I'm not even saying regularly, Zakaria. I'm not even saying regularly at all. Okay? So, uh, nine, so I'm not even saying 99. 99.9. Right? Um, is because people want to get back into bed quickly. So not even uh, praying congregation at home because you have to wait for everyone else to make wudu and everybody else to get ready. If there's like a largest family, people just want to pray and get back in. Let alone go out, which is its own missions because if it's cold outside and not and all the rest of it and uh, blah, blah, blah. But also if it's not cold outside, some people do not want to lose their sleep feel, right? People don't want to lose that kind of... You know, people want that zombie prayer and roll back into bed. It's not even, uh, uh, it's not even a like thing that they don't like. So I'm pretty comfortable. I don't think the ch the numbers have changed. All right. Um, yeah, I think that yeah, for, <laughs> yeah. The um, I think that yeah, uh, obviously more in winter compared to the summer. Okay, but even that's not so accurate. Even that's not so accurate. There are people, it changes around. No, no, Miss Muslim countries too, Salma. Muslim, I, 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 if I'm going to make a statement, then I mean, I, I, when I said, I said Muslims, I didn't say the West. I mean Muslims. I'm here in a Muslim country now. Uh, when I'm in Pakistan, I can speak to you about Saudi. I can speak to you about whatever. Obviously, there are certain countries that do better than others. But, you know, as a percentage, high 99s point something. Now, so, so, so my point is, is that when the Sheikh says it's a really yani, uh, magnificent display of obedience. It really is a magnificent display of obedience. It's a submission where a person puts his desires to the side and says, yeah, I'm ready to take one for the team. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I've got to say to you, the reason that I struggle to think of you know what's bad is what no what's not bad is that people can become addicted to these things and it becomes really easy a lot of the whole difficulty concept is in our minds you know going to fajr in jama'ah uh, i have to tell you something which is that i very rarely miss the fajr in jama'ah and you know i'm not a very great muslim frankly and i can prove it to you by saying to you that i go more because i uh, i enjoy it more than i am a nice guy or obedient guy or whatever whatnot I I like it. I don't, you know, it's gone to it's gone to more it's gone to a more desire thing, like meeting people, like yeah, any you know, dunya kind of benefits, um, uh, whatever. So that's the other thing that 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 some people obviously they get into a habit and it becomes a part of a routine, and then you might lose that kind of difficulty aspect to it. But I still think that for those people who are the good people, it is a really uh, uh, you know, it is a really a big challenge. Billion-ish Muslims, well, it's about two, 1.9, I would say. So 20 million praying Fajr in the Masajid, which would, in my honest opinion, I think is about right. I think it's about right. Allah Musta'an. Okay. Anyway, uh, Sheikh then says, 
And uh, uh, so, this, you know, this is a really good example. If any of you are, are, are reading the Arabic, and even if you're not, I'm going to be reading it for you, so it doesn't matter. But for those students of knowledge, I want to just show you that Sheikh Uthameen, Ibn Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, one of the great scholars of all time, frankly, certainly of our current time, just so much benefit, such a wonderful yani, scholar, and he's got such great statements and such great expressions, but even he, yani, goes a bit off the, 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 the trodden path, and often he will... Often, sometimes he makes mistakes. So I want you to imagine, and you know, people finding mistakes that I make. I make hundreds of mistakes every day, and I mean, genuinely, I mean, it's something, something of kind of heartening to see someone of the level of Sheikh Uthameen make mistakes as well, because um, uh, you know, for all of his good, he makes the odd uh, kind of thing as well, a bit of exaggeration, a bit of whatever. So in here, when he said something so beautiful. He then follows it up with a line which is yani, weird, frankly. He goes, and he goes that uh, there's no difference in this matter that you know that, that everyone should pray in a jama'ah and that you know it is legislated and it's an excellent act of worship, except the rafidah. الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّهُ لَا جَمَاعَةَ إِلَّا خَلْفَ إِمَامٍ مَعْصُومٍ وَلِهَذَا لَا يُصَلُّونَ جُمْعَةً وَلَا جَمَاعَةً Okay. وقال فيهم شيخ الإسلام رحمه الله إنهم هجر المساجد وعمر المشاهد، أوكي؟ أي القبور فيها فهم يترددون إليها للتوسل بها ودعائها، وما وأما المساجد فلا يعمر ولا يعمرونها بالجماعة فيها، وإلا فإن المسلمين جميعا اتفقوا على مشروعيتها. I can tell you right now that this is not the statement of Sheikh of Ibn Taymiyyah that last sentence. And I can tell you right now that what Ibn Taymiyyah said is المساجد المشاهد. Okay. Now I want to explain a little few a few things a few things here uh, because this is important. This is good for the student of knowledge just to keep every, keep themselves in check, to keep our scholars yani, in the right place without it getting out of control. It's a good experience. This what's going to happen now for a few minutes so that you understand that even the great of the greats, yeah. First of all, let's explain who the Rafida are. The Rafida are the extreme kind of Shia, the kind of religious kind of Shia, the, the scholarly clerical classes of modern day Shiism. Okay, the Orthodox Shia are the Rafida. The Rafida, and I'm not going to go into this because I don't want to. I don't care for it. I'm not an expert in it either. Something I have very little interest uh, 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 with. I generally, I have to say personally, you know, people have uh, people have um, passions. Right, like Yasser Qadi, he has a passion for Aqidah, right? Classic and modern sects and so on. He has a really good handle on theological deviation, right? And I advise you to benefit from that because it is good. Um, I have my own passion. I have a passion for politics. I have a passion for social issues. I have a passion for fiqh, right? I love hadith. I'm not a big fan of... Uh, I have a very, very big concern for modern day Aqidah issues, but I'm not a big uh, kind of, you know, massively obsessed with cults and sects. And one of the reasons for that, one of the reasons for that is because I genuinely do not see the majority of the Muslims falling into these sects. And therefore, my time in that is not so kind of well spent, except in the issues in which the Muslims are falling into. And um, some of these sects are so stupid so decrepitly and intellectually challenged that 
sometimes I kind of feel like, you know, if a Muslim falls into that, it serves him right. Because if you're going to be that dumb, right, to believe that Aisha radiallahu anha committed adultery and that she's the enemy of the believers and the X and the Y and the Z, whatever, whatnot, whatnot, I think you deserve to be shi'i. And I think you deserve to be what they call Qadiani. If you think that the Prophet is not the last Prophet. Sometimes I think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates these kind of, yani, allows for these sects to come and take away the ghawgha and the, yani, the foolish yani, scum that are floating around in the ummah. Just go let them give them something yani, interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get carried away. The point is, is that, um, uh, you know, that's that's what it is. I'm not Canadian, Danish. I'm not Canadian. That's the that's the that's the problem. Yeah, you know, a Canadian couldn't be imagined to be that kind of uh, thingy. It's just I'm. I was going to say I'm British, but Sumera obviously also doesn't agree with me, and she's British. Uh, if, if if that's our Sumera in Manchester, then uh, it, it's, it's me. I am pretty dark, to be honest. I am, you know, yeah. So. Um, yeah, Iram, if you want something which is very, very specific and academic on that, then there's an organization called TISA, okay? Uh, no, Nida, Nida, I don't think that's 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 an exaggeration of uh, of points. Like I said, some of the other areas, you know, I wouldn't consider Sheikh Yasser to be some someone who um, you'd necessarily kind of gravitate towards um, uh, because obviously there are people who have interests and people who have their own kind of like thought processes and so people are affected. But one of the things that has remained unaffected is his is his ability to research and state historical facts. Therefore, his sira is going to be a winner. And his ability to dissect and understand the reasonings behind deviation of sex. That is a real specific skill, folks. All right? It's a specific skill. And that is something that you guys can benefit from. All right. Anyway, so the point is, is that the Rafida, okay, you guys know that um, uh, uh, the Rafida are the Shia and the kind of extreme form of the Shia. They're not kind of non-practicing Shia. They're, that's why I call it the practicing uh, uh, Shia, practicing the clerical classes uh, 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 Shia. And they are a problem. And we do think that their scholars are upon kufr if they believe and propagate and understand what they're saying, such as that the Quran has had changes and Ali radiallahu is this and that he has a, a level of power and innocence and and blah de blah, and that uh, that the scholars that the Sahaba al kufar, especially al Umar and Abu Bakr and cursing them, and these people are upon kufr and maybe kufar depending upon how well they understand. As for the masses, then they're just ignorant, just like the Brailwis are ignorant, just like the Sufis are ignorant, just like some dumb Salafis are ignorant. Just like every some some people are ignorant, but their ignorance is a billion times more than the ignorance of the Salafis or the Sufis or the whatever. All right, so now you're there where you're there. It's important to know that Saudi scholars have always uh, not just been the defenders of orthodoxy when it comes to Aqidah and they've adopted that position. Therefore, they felt it necessary for them to be the vanguard against Shiism as well. But in that defense, they've gone beyond the boundaries. They've gone beyond the boundaries. And so therefore, it is a political point now to hold. And you'll see that the, and you know, don't for one second think that anything about Iran is anything other than the truth, that they are the biggest mujrimin on this planet. However, for the longest time, the way that Iran has been turned into the boogeyman, okay, boogeyman, that's wrong, the bogeyman, boogeyman, 
Saya kok disko sama main tuh. Ini bagaimana, bagaimana. Ya, meaning like a evil character, evil character. So um, the you know it is more politically uh, driven than it is factually, right? And exaggerations often come. And I would often I would like I would say that you wouldn't want to study and understand the details of the Rafida from the Najdi scholars, right? The Najdi meaning kind of, you know, Saudi conservative area type scholars. And there's nothing wrong in saying that. There's not, it's like I would say you wouldn't take your fiqh from Sheikh Al-Albani, for example, right? There's nothing wrong in saying that. You, you know, I was having a discussion with Sheikh Walid Basuni the other day, three days ago. Long chat. It's been a couple of weeks since I chat to him, so you know he goes, <laughs> he goes, um, man, he goes, I'm so depressed these days. So I called you to open my heart. I said that's what I was born for. I was born to open people's hearts, to make people smile, to make people chill, right? So we had a chat, and um, we were speaking about some of the up and coming Hanabila. Uh, and he mentioned someone, Sheikh Shuwair. He was super impressed with him. He got really, really good. And he said that, you know, he's been listening to him a lot in podcasts. And he shared that to me. I said, yeah, man, I need some good podcast material because the Muslim content out there is terrible. And people get upset when I say that I'm going to listen to instead, instead to Joe Rogan. So I don't want to upset the people because, you know, I'm here to make the people happy, not to make them upset. Yeah. And I said, well, like Sheikh sent me some stuff. He goes, trust me, I love this stuff. I've been listening to hours of it. So he sent me some of that behavior. I'm still going to understand what his background is. But young man, and he's really kind of smashing it in the humbly circles. And um, it's not a, it's not actually a podcast uh, with that. So let me make it clear. But yeah, I will send it um, in terms of the, the humbly content Arabic high level and very, very well advanced. Anyway, the point is, is that he mentioned in that podcast about how a good Sheikh Uthameen is in the Hanbali school. Like how much of a Hanbali faqih he is. And that took me by surprise because I don't necessarily agree. And I think that there are quite a few Hanbalis also that don't like the Sheikh Uthameen's kind of approach to the Hanbali school. They don't. And I personally don't agree either. And I love Sheikh Uthameen for it. So obviously, you know, we've got different interests there. So we agree. We agree on this point. But they agree and I'm angry about it. And I, I agree and I love it. Okay. So, um, uh, why did I say that? Uh, yeah, so we were speaking about the fact that it's okay to, to speak about the strengths and the weaknesses of our scholars. It's okay to do that, right? Um, I just want to say, Thaqib Biani, that Sheikh Yusuf al-Qardawi was doing that from a political angle and not from an aqidah one, and he regretted it so much, by the way. In later time, he regretted it. It was a massive mistake. There is no unity with the Shia. Let me make that clear, right? Uh, sure, sure. In the West... In a Muslim community, when you're voting in an MP or you're living in a minority, that's something else, you know, so don't, you know, get me wrong. But when we're talking about it from an Ummah point of view, flipping they hate us more than the Jews hate us. Are you kidding me? There are. So, you know, it's okay stating facts, but we don't need to ex exaggerate them. I kind of feel that I'm going off topic. I'm, I'm just dipping it to myself, thinking this is an ilm and you're, it's a tangent that you're benefiting from. But then I kind of think, no, it's getting out of control. So let me get back on track. He says that... Um, they don't have a congregation uh, uh, except if they pray behind the 
the imam that they're all waiting for or the imam who is like one of the you know 12 imams one of the and you know i'm not gonna i said go and read up about it go and study go and listen to some lectures by sheikh uh, by, by yasser okay sheikh yasser or whoever all right about the shia and 12 imams and what they think the innocent imam is the one who can't sin imam ma'asum all this yani bakwas and kufar um and uh so they don't pray in congregation and they don't gather together and they don't they don't do jumu'ah and he goes, that's why they don't perform Jumu'ah, they don't have a Jumu'ah. That's just not true. That's just not true. That's a blatant non-truth. Okay? I'm not saying that there might not be some positions from some hardcore boys somewhere and around. But he said, Ar-Rafidah. Ar-Rafidah. Sheikh is normally very accurate in his statements. You know? He said the whole lot. Come on, man. Right? And then to kind of justify what his... Uh, uh, his, his his statement, he quotes Sheikh Uthameen. And look what he quotes from Sheikh, uh, he quotes Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah. And look what he quotes. Sheikh ibn Taymiyyah says, they abandoned the masajid and instead focused on building shrines. Okay? That's the quote from ibn Taymiyyah. That quote is bang on accurate. They've got masajid, but they abandoned them. They spent more time in the shrines that's true as well you will find a load of them okay a load of them so you know it, it, that statement is not saying that they don't have jama'ah or mosques or they don't go right but it's saying that they are more obsessed with the kind of the darker side and the kind of you know cultural side of of grave worship and worshiping their saints you get what I'm saying? And frankly, a lot of the, the cultural Muslims are that way as well. You'll find them gathering in those places and showing a level of... Uh, and by the way, I, I, I have to say to you that being in Egypt and, you know, been to a few graves and a few areas, you'll find the level of intensity and spiritual kind of connecting and into, uh, intensity even in these places. Uh, in the shrines and the kind of grave places and in Pakistan, for example, in Karachi and Darbar, Fulan, Kada, whatever, you'll find the same. Obviously, a lot more people in the mosques there as well. So it's interesting what my dad says there, okay, that I brought my Shia friends to Jumu'ah when I was in high school. They were amazed. They'd never seen it before. There's no doubt that it is not as emphasized as in the Sunni orthodoxy. But anybody who has studied the fiqh of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, for example, and his statements, it is impossible to put that now, hold on. If they're saying that no, 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 we know Jafar al Sadiq is uh, 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 advocating advocating uh, Jumu'ah and Jama'ah, but the Rafidah don't follow him. That's just a bit disingenuous. I just want to say that the the um, the there's a big difference, okay, between some kind of you know public figures saying a few things and uh, whatever uh, and the masses i went to university with right there you go fatima says in university the shia on our campus would have their jumaa in my university they had no jumaa they would actually attend our jumaa um in our university back in the day in the 90s uh, the, the just like what we dad said uh, they didn't even know what the jumaa was they used to be bamboozled. I had I had a Shia guy in my there was two actually. One was like Ismaili well off it, yeah. But there's another proper Shia. Um uh I don't know if I ever told you 
about him unique because he was Alex Ferguson's neighbor. Right? So, <laughs> so when I went into, this is a funny story, by the way. I don't know if I've ever, ever told you guys this ever. So when I went to Manchester, this, if, stop me if I've said it because I don't want to bore people. Have I ever told you this story? Just confirm. Those who have been long time, Yanni, LPs. All right. Okay. So, so let me tell you this then. Obviously, I went to Manchester University and I stayed in Fallowfield. I was the first people, those who are in Manchester and Zakaria, obviously you'll relate to this. Richmond Park in Fallowfield, I was the first uh, person to stay there. I think Maysara, I think maybe you might know where that is as well. And some of you guys will know it. But anyway, Richmond Park, brand new. It was a very expensive uh, 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 place at that time in the 90s. It was brand spanking new. And the old places was Owens Park and the rest of Fallowfield. So Richmond Park in Fallowfield was like the, 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 the diamond in the jewel. and uh, The diamond in the jewel. The diamond in the in the thing. Sorry, uh, Zachary, I was thinking of Adil. My apologies. Um, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, all the folks who had money would come and, and uh, stay there. So it was actually Richmond Park was called Richmond's Park. That is actually true. The, the Miskin's real students used to live in Owens Park next door. Um, um, now, in my flat, there were all these kind of toffs and, you know, like white um, upper class folks, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I probably was there <laughs> as working class. Toff is like posh folks, right? Uh, rich folks. And I was only there because I had taken a year out. So I had worked all year. So I, had, I would I, not only, you know, I used to hate the concept of the poor student. I used to really hate that. And I used to not associate with students for that reason. It used to disgust me, the whole student lifestyle, right? Not only had I taken a year out, worked all year, was in a senior position, proper snob. I was a proper snob. People used to laugh at me because they used to, they used to laugh at me and with me because I used to cuss students so much, okay? And the student lifestyle and whatever, whatnot. it was fun and whatever. Anyway, throughout university, I was also working. I was also working. Not just working, I was um, a supervisor. I, I was able to transfer my supervisor role in, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> what job, but I was able to <laughs> I was able to transfer it from London, right, to Manchester. And I used to work at the um uh uh what's it called? Lead, I forgot the phrase, what they call a lead store. It's uh lead a lead, a lead oh god, when you have a retail branch and uh whatever. Anyway, anyway, so in my thingy, they were all millionaires. Flagship, thank you, Zubair. Flagship. I'm trying to think of flagship. So I was working in the flagship store up north. Okay. And that's enough that you need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Right. And this guy, Shia guy. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Do you guys now realize why she's at Salim? Yeah, it deserves all the. <laughs> Oh, 
Anyway, proud of it. Fatima, proud of it. Absolutely proud of it. So anyway, um, <laughs> this story is taking a very dark turn, by the way. This whole thing is taking a dark turn because one of the reasons that he became very close to me, this guy who was next to me, okay, um, that's why I get confused. By the way, whoever just said that, you said that I used to work there in Al Maghrib course, your name is not up, by the way. Yeah, You need to put that name up. It's showing without a name. But anyway, uh, uh, because of my experience there, because of my discounts I used to get there, then this guy, the Shia who was next, next to me, he became my best mate and I taught him some skills, shall we say. And um, we were very, very close. And then when I started practicing, okay, very early in my first year, whole sort of things happened. I would uh, keep him close to me, right? And I'd give him dawah, this, that, whatever, whatnot. And I'd make him pray with me and whatever. Now, listen, the prayer even was new to him. But the jama'ah over, like, overwhelmed him. Seeing other Muslims, Jumaa knocked him for six. So to get back to the point about with that one. Anyway, so he goes, listen, we're having dinner at mine. Mama, mama wants you to come around. I was still at university. So I said, all right, then. I go, uh, he had a car. Actually, I had a car as well. But I didn't know the way. Um, so he uh, 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 just said, yeah, let's go on a Sunday. So I said, all right. Drove to his house. I didn't know anything about that, obviously, about South Manchester or anything. I only knew about Fallowfield. So he drives me to Wilmslow. And I'm just looking around thinking, this is nice. Okay, then it's a house that I bigger. And I thought, this is nice. This is really nice. And then we pull into a house and it's a proper kind of mansion type house. I thought, wow, sick. I go, bro, man, you live in some mashallah place, yeah? He goes, yeah, yeah, this is a nice area. He goes, didn't say anything. Go inside and whatever, whatnot. And then, I, you know, we're sitting there eating, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I see a football, uh, got, got a, a signature on it. And uh, I go, Ras. I go, signed by Fergie, Alice Ferguson. He goes, yeah, he goes, uh, he lives next door. I said, shut up. He goes, he lives next door. And I go, what, like a couple of doors? He goes, my next door neighbor is my next door neighbor for the last 20 years or whatever, 10 years or whatever he said. I can't remember what he said. I said, no, flipping way. He goes, have a look. He'd be in the garden right now. Have a, I look out the window. He's in the in, in his garden uh, in his garden, he has this kind of uh, like a, a, a swimming pool, but it's got uh, uh, that uh, plastic, not plastic, that corrugated plastic kind of thing, that material, whatever it's called, over it to keep it warm. Alex flipping Ferguson. I said, no flipping way. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I hate football, man. I'm not into football. I can't believe we went on that. You see that useless tangent? This is a problem, man. When I start losing the whole kind of uh, focus, then uh, anyway. Let's get back to the point. Point is, is that they do know what Jama'ah is. They do know what Jama'ah is. And um, uh, it is not something. So, yeah, I know where he lives. Still there. Still there with his missus. Got a soft spot for Alex Ferguson, I'm not going to lie. Even though I do think he's a bit like, lying little so-and-so. Yeah, not the nicest of people, if I'm going to be honest. If I'm going to be honest. But still. He's a mega hero for us, yeah, for my United supporters. Um... So I hope that you understand that what Sheikh Uthaymeen, it was a really, 
it was I'm sorry. I'm really, really, really sorry because of that Shia. Whenever I think of Shia, I think of him. Yes. All right. Hadahullah. May Allah guide him. I'm in touch with him. Um yani. And the other one, he owns like half of the scrap uh, scrap merchants in Manchester or something. You see him going up and down the Kingsway A34 in McLaren's all the time. It's like some billionaire or something like that. He didn't really come around to the Dawah, bro. I think he's enjoying life a bit too much. Allah Mustan. Anyway, anyway, sorry guys. Let me, especially podcast folks, they're thinking, what the fish is going on here? Um, Sheikh then says that um, there's not a single Muslim who doesn't um, think that it is a legislated matter to have the uh, mosques and to have the congregational prayer. And there's not even a single scholar that said it is permissible uh, or that it is disliked. Rather, they actually only debated whether it's an absolute obligation to perform the prayer yani, in congregation upon every single Muslim, ain, meaning individually obligatory upon every single individual, or is it a fard kifaya, meaning that we are all sinful unless someone does it on our behalf, like a group offers it? Or whether it is a highly emphasized sunnah? That's the only thing that's ever been debated by the scholars. And that is a very accurate statement. Never has there been a discussion in our ummah that, yeah, it's a good thing, or it's a nice thing, or it's an okay thing, it's allowed, or it's not a, it's not a part of Islam. That's never, ever in his, the history. And that's a big thing to say, because we've got... We have crazy varying varying opinions on every aspect of fiqh. We do. But this is one of those that there's very little discussion. It's, it's, a, it's a discussion of a big issue restricted to a small kind of uh, uh, parameters. Is it fard ain? Is it fard kifaya? Or is it highly, highly emphasized sunnah? That's the debate. No other. Okay? And then there's a debate which... Uh, uh, <laughs> Ajmal, yeah? This is why we tell you, anyway, it's pointless. We need to write it down for him. Just someone say Ajmal in big writing, then he'll understand, yeah? Ajmal, you need to press the live button, yeah? You're literally 10 minutes behind. He's still trying to work, he's still trying to work out which store I'm working in. <laughs> oh, my days. This skin, Ajmal, always yeah, miles ahead. Always miles ahead, except in the books. Right, anyway. Um, so, and then the Sheikh says that if you want to uh, uh, add another dimension to the debate, then the only other thing that was debated, that if it's a fard'ain, if it is an individual obligation, then is the congregation a condition for the prayer? I.e., if you do not pray in congregation and you prayed it alone, your prayer is invalid. You've got to repeat it again in congregation. That is the consequence of saying that it is a condition for the prayer. If congregation is a condition for the prayer, then you pray individually, you don't have a prayer. That is the serious consequence. All right. So let's now look at what the opinions are and what our author is saying and what Sheikh Uthameen is saying, what the Hanabila are saying. The Sheikh says, Telzumu ar-rijal. That the men are, are is insisted upon them. It is a, nece a necessity from them. It is required from them. Okay? It is lazim, something which is lazim, 
it means something which is necessary. Lazim, man, yani, andama to lazim shay means that you are connected to it. Yani, it is, it is, when we say min al lazim, yani means that, like, if there was, <laughs> outside the box, if there is, uh, you go to the kitchen worktop and you see milk spill on the, uh, uh, on the, on the worktop, then it means that there's a bottle of milk somewhere. Lazim, that there's a milk somewhere around. Uh, the, the, whatever the English, uh, there's an English phrase which explains that the cause or the, the you know, whatever I, I'm trying to say. So it's absolutely necessary. It's got to be there by, ne by necessity. It's absolutely required. It necessitates. Yep, thank you. It necessitates that there was milk somewhere. Okay? So therefore, that's what the, the, the Arabic word is indicating. Now, the problem is, is that scholars sometimes, not lazily, but sometimes lazily, not cheekily, but sometimes cheekily, irritatingly always, use this phrase and it leaves the rest of us struggling. What I mean by that is that it's a get out. It's, it's like the word should. Yeah. I can tell you right now, if you ask me a question and I say to you, yeah, you should do that. Yeah. Then you know immediately that, that I'm trying to, uh, I'm intentionally leaving it ambiguous. And if I don't know you, then I am, uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm either not wanting to cause difficulty for you. And if I do know you, then there's a huge thing that's going on behind it. There's a big debate between obligatory, non-obligatory, X, Y, Z. The word should does not have a legal consequence. It's a horrible phrase. But Yani uh, tells them, or lazim is should. Lazim is the Arabic should. Some people will say no. Whenever we say lazim, we mean obligatory. We'll say to them, so why don't you just say obligatory? They say, well, because... But, but then that's the end of... Once you start putting because and start blagging it, then you know what's going on. So I want you to know that when someone uses the word lazim, it is clearly and intentionally not saying wajib. It is fard, it is wajib, it is shart, it is rukan. It's using a phrase where they want to say that without saying it. They want to kind of make you think that without committing themselves to a legal kind of necessity. And that's not always bad intentioned. Sometimes we've got to let people work it out themselves. Sometimes we've got to let people, you know, sometimes you just got to do these kind of things. Now, here, Sheikh Uthameen says, So he now goes a different angle, and he's going to go down the usul and the fiqh angle, and I think it's useful for you as students of knowledge to understand this. He goes, The jurists, okay, may Allah have mercy upon them, Okay? The jurists sometimes use the word should or it is a necessity or it is necessary. Sometimes they say it is or it is tajib, meaning it is obligatory. And sometimes they use the word farad, which means it has been prescribed or it is obligatory. 
وما أشبه ذلك إسترا 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 وكلها عبارات مختلفة مختلفة اللفظ متفقة المعنى and I disagree with that statement but his statement is more accurate academically mine is more accurate practically that's what I want to say academically the fuqaha of old classic classic they don't care for the opinions of people and politics and this and that whatever and they feel quite you know they they feel quite comfortable and they have their own style of speaking Sheikh Uthameen says that these three phrases okay Ross, you sick guy, Shazad Salim. Shazad Salim, is that, that, is that back in the days when you used to actually be a student of knowledge? Ross, guys, you know what? I jump all over that. Guys, jump all over it because that is an ancient piece of, you know, that's an NFT right there. An NFT where we can say when Shazad Salim actually used to actually used to be a student. And I remember those days very well. Last 10 years, biggest dosser on the planet. Turned into a lecturer in dentistry and put in, in author. In, wait, what tell you what? Periodontics. A lecturer in periodontics. We thought he's going to become a lecturer in Sharia, a lecturer in fiqh, whatever, whatnot. The dunya called him. He became a lecturer in periodontics, periodontic, bakwas, whatever, whatnot. Yani, the akhirah the cried over him and the dunya, yani, it, it, it cheered. The akhirah cried at what he had lost and the dunya said, yeah, yeah, periodontics. Can you imagine? Yeah, Salma, ask him what khidmat even means. Ask him what even khidmat means. Why are you making me sad for? Why are you going to make me upset? Heba, they're making me sad, Heba. It's too painful. Anyway, the good old days. Anyway, so. Yeah, like stabbed. Stabbed. It's like, oh, subhanAllah, exactly like, you guys, did you hear that? Do you remember that scene yani, when he's poisoned but not poisoned, when Turqut is out of his mind, don't know what's going on, and they think that peace has happened, no, they think that they're getting him back and whatever. She said, she, yeah, she said it's like when Turqut stabbed Urturut. If you remember his face, do you remember that? Season one? Turghut, yani, you know, he's got that poison in him, whatever. And she, you know, the, the, he embraces, he's so happy. And then Turghut stabs Urthrul. Uh, and Urthrul's face is like, this is, there's this being stabbed, but it's the fact that Turghut did it. Okay? So, under the influence of exactly, exactly. SubhanAllah, you know, sometimes your examples are 100%. That's just Anselim these days, 100%. Stabs me like he that. Wants, he wants me to watch season five, and I have, I'm on season four. Yeah, I told, I told, I told you that don't put ideas into Hibba's head. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry with that. No, 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 no. We're not going to give anything. That's uh, so. So, by the way, Rivers, I just want to say that what you've just put down, that's true, Alayhi Rahmatullah, and I have not told. Yeah, because if I did, Martin. Yani, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, you know that 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 uh, uh, that Gary Lineker, classic Gary Lineker phrase. You know, he's gone, he's gone. Anyway, it'll be a disaster. So honestly, man, I was upset. Yeah, come on, Ali Rahmatullah. You know what I mean? Honest to God, man. So no, no.
and she won't find out as well. Um, okay, so what Sheikh says, he goes that sometimes they use the phrase, uh, uh, it necessitates sometimes tajib, sometimes fard, etc. He goes, all of these phrases are different in their wording, but they agree absolutely in their meaning. That they are absolutely obligatory. They are synonyms. Mutaradif. All right? Yani he is uh, 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 indicating by these three phrases that they all mean the same thing. The same thing. Sheikh Uthameen says, all right, let's go now. I'm going to mention the evidences on why, yes, it is correct that it is necessary for the Muslims to, uh, to pray in jama'ah. He's going to take it further and say the masjid as well. But it is an absolute obligation as far as Sheikh Uthameen uh, is, is, is concerned. You're now going to see the position of Sheikh Uthameen, Sheikh Ibn Baz, a lot of the Najdi scholars, a lot of the Saudi scholars, a lot of the scholars of Ahl Hadith, absolutely Ibn Taymiyyah, one of the dominant positions of the Hanbali school, a statement in the Hanafi school, I remember, a position, strong one, in the Shafi'i school. All four schools have both opinions, by the way, that it is obligation and that it is a sunnah mu'akkadah. And it would be accurate, potentially, to say that the majority of the scholars consider the jama'ah prayer or the prayer in the masjid to not be an obligation, but rather to be a highly emphasized sunnah. But it would also be accurate to say that a large number, almost the majority, uh, certainly close to half, meaning the lesser, but like huge number of scholars. And certainly there's a position in all of the schools, possibly not the Maliki school in the dominant sense, but dominant position in the Hanafi school, dominant position in the Shafi, dominant position in the Hanbali school. Okay, I can see it. See the video. I can see the video slow down. Okay, but just make sure that so nobody's on the net. Maybe remind your mom. Just go just go and check Hibba. Just go and check to see. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe just tell her not to use the camera. I don't think she needs to use the camera. Just have a check. Yeah? That's fine. Then make sure that anybody else isn't doing those cheeky things on the phone. On your mum's phone, yeah? Because if she's Yeah, you have a look. Um, so yeah, I was saying that you know uh, uh, all of the Madahib have um uh all of the uh, all of the madahib have a good strong representation in the the prayer in the masjid is obligatory camp, even though it is academically probably more accurate to say that the majority of the scholars, when you add them up, okay, are on the opinion that it is not um, obligatory, that it is not obligatory. When Banuqa says that, I, I get to think that, yeah, you know what, that's an hour and that actually is. So that's another class which bites the dust. Yeah, and I thought that was going to cover so much, but anyway. Um, I just want to share that another one of the great fuqaha, and I have been a bit emotional the last kind of couple of days. Actually, yesterday I was all over the place because of where I went. But I went to visit the qabr of Imam Layth uh, Nusa'ad, alayhi rahmatullah, one of my favorite scholars, actually. One of the fuqaha who didn't have a madhab that, that protected his work and made him who he should have been, contemporary of Malik and the others. And I was, I was, you know, I was thinking, guys, you know, yesterday's class, yani, I, was, I was a bit all over the place. I kind of, I think it was because of that. Yep, I was taken back. Today, yesterday was a really on top day. I need to kind of gather my thoughts. And uh, I'm on a plane tomorrow, inshallah. And I'm going to try to edit on my phone what I saw. And what I went to. And I 
yesterday was a big day. Yeah. A lot of things I've been wanting to do for many, many years, but I never had, number one, the time, but also the ability to be able to have enough accurate scholarly basis to determine exact locations. Because there's always people claim the grave of this, the grave of that, the grave of this. And yesterday, I put a lot of effort in and a lot of resource in, and I was able to get a driver that was there willing to listen to me and work with me. And I was able to find spending the whole day the graves of some of the people that I've always wanted to Uqbir ibn Amr radiallahu an Amr ibn al-As radiallahu an um, Layth ibn Sa'ad was big and the biggest of them all man was Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani and that was mental blew my flipping socks off and that was like you know because I was right at his grave just like the, at the grave of his hero Bukhari and I mean closed. Yeah, and subhanAllah, you know, when you think about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes life so easy for people and gives them so much luxury and so much blessing. And it's scary, man. You know, you've got to think that at some point there's going to have to be payback. My life is just win after win after win after win. I want you to know that our entire group, when we went to Uzbekistan, our, our entire group was just shown where Bukhari's mausoleum was. And then I was with Yasser and myself, and the imam came, and when he was told that me and him were going to do the uh, lecture on Bukhari afterwards, he goes, "Do would you like to go in? I was like, are you kidding me? And he unlocked it, we went down and at the grave. I, I, I recorded a video, I think. And I'm sure I put it on Facebook back in the day. The exact same thing happened with Ibn Hajar Asqalani. I went there, and absolutely not a Guys, I, you know, I, I hate to hijack the lesson because it's not right. But if I don't uh, hijack this lesson, then it's going to happen in a Maghrib class on the weekend and I don't have time in that. I know that's disrespect to Opie, but that one there, I've got to get off my chest. I want to say that um, uh, 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 I, uh, 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 what was so crazy is that they were deserted. They were in a state. However, Ibn Hajar has had work done on it. People, uh, some scholars have found it and uh, 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 they've put a bit of money in and they've put it up. Yeah, and, you know, they've built it up a little bit, right? Anyway, the point was I was the only person there. I want to imagine Cairo. Hun how many, hundreds, thousands of students there, proper practicing people, yeah? It is a Shafi'i city. It's not even a Hanafi city. There are tens of millions of Muslims. I was the only person in the entire area and it was just closed I couldn't get there and I was about to leave some random pack comes up and he goes you want to go in no camera and I said you let me in he goes yeah I let you in but no camera at all I said yeah man and take that and went in through the side into the thing, into the grave, or what is a maqam, because obviously the graves collapsed many, many years before that, and they build like some artificial thing on top. Um, and it was just, you know, Ibn Hajar is someone that I have been studying and reading and studying and reading and have always loved for 20 years. I was with Ibn Hajar's works and Fath al-Bari and 
his sharh and to, to all kinds of mutawin hadith and whatever, whatnot, before I even could speak Arabic. Because Sheikh Kehlan was absolutely yani, obsessed with Ibn Hajar, and that, that falls through, follows through. And Sheikh Suhaibu used to love yani, Ibn Hajar, and so that used to be dominant as well. And the, my teachers in Egypt as well. And so it was it was everything, you know, for me to able to, uh, you know, be there and ha uh, knowing that this is the greatest man. This is the only man that ever in history can rest in peace, knowing that he did the haq of the effort of Imam al-Bukhari and that I went into the grave of both of them. Wallahi blew my mind. Try to work out last night why it was that I wasn't, I was like spaced out. 24 hours later, I'm kind of like cool about it. But still now when I think about it, it's, it's a bit crazy. I don't know where we, why we went to Ibn Hajar. Oh, Layth ibn Sa'ad. SubhanAllah, sorry. Uh, Layth ibn Sa'ad. That was intense as well. And Imam Layth, uh, those who used to study Al-Adab uh, al-Mufrad back in the day, 2006 and five and whatever, used to, guys, you might remember that we used to mention Zakm um, uh, al we did Ilm Summit on him as well. It'd be great to see some notes for that, uh, Jeeves, if you got it, man. Send me something through or any video or any whatever. That's like a long time ago now as well. And um, But lately, when Sa'ad's been one, I've been such a fan of his for such a long time as well. And uh, it's easy enough to find his fiqh, but you just get, you just got to understand the politics of the situation. And, you know, you got big figures, you know, Shafi'i, you know, coming around, dominates, yani, why would you... When you got someone who leaves Mecca and comes to Egypt and whatever, whatnot, and he's ready to adopt your whole kind of position or whatever. Lately, Ibn Sa'ad, he remained there, stayed there, he's in his house, buried in his house. And uh, there are certain things that are beyond our, uh, you know, our, our, yeah, about how, you know, some people develop a following and others don't. But you'll find many fuqaha mentioning about Lathe. And Sufyan Athori. Don't, not, not just uh, Lathe Ibn Sa'ad. Okay? So, uh, 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 Sufyan ibn Uyayna, Sufyan uh, uh, Thawri, uh, uh, so many others, some of their teachers as well. So, yeah, I used to, in Al Adab al Mufrad, Fath al Bari was my main source actually, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, um, uh, uh, Guys, I know that you're going to kill me, man. But uh, I don't think that we can start this. Because we've gone an hour and five and ten minutes. Well, it's an introduction to the chapter. I mean, you know, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Um, I think I, 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 you know, because if I try to do it bit by bit, because now we're about to mention the Quranic evidences and the Sunnah evidences. Should I start it or not, guys? The evidence is for the obligation of the prayer. Just say yes or no. We're at one hour ten. Okay? To me, it doesn't make sense. No. Okay. It is a perfect time to start. Have a, grab me a pen, Hibs. All right. All right, guys. So a few minutes then. Barakallah, A few minutes then for any other questions. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, a few questions, guys. Then uh, we'll uh, call it a, uh, uh, a night. There you go, Hibs. Any questions? Then let's uh, let's do it. Hibs, grab my flask, man.
kind of, uh, Iram, I am kind of on a tour of Egypt, coming to an end. I had a good few days to do kind of some special stuff. Did Sheikh Uthameen make a similar statement about the Rafi that elsewhere not praying Jama'ah? I don't know. I don't think it's outrageous yani, in terms of what some of them do present themselves as, but I just don't want us to kind of, you know, lose the plot and think that's the case. You know what I'm saying? Can I recite out loud in my salah if it helps me revise my newly memorized surahs? I prefer that that doesn't happen in the daily prayers. I prefer that you, Shahnara, yani, therefore use it as an excuse to pray more night prayers. Right? But for the daily prayers, I don't think it's good. It doesn't invalidate that a daily prayer, reciting out loud, but it's not a good uh, sunnah. Okay? It's not a good sunnah. No, I don't think it is misunderstood. No. Sumera, no. This is from their kind of exaggeration, acceptable in exaggeration. That's why I called it political. Right? And in politics, this kind of stuff is allowed. It's okay to be cussing the Rafi the more than they deserve to be cussed. You get what I'm saying? It's okay. They, they, there's reasons for it, but this is an academic class. We can't be, we need to know what's politics and what's fiqh and what's whatever. I have no problem with them because I'm custom yani, yani for much more than that. All right. Yusuf has been going through the revision notes. I wasn't able to find anything on this matter. Once we've finished the tashahud and all the dua in the final sitting, do we keep our finger up when we give salam or do we put the finger down or do we make the, the hand completely flat? In my position, and the reason that you don't have any material is because the scholars don't mention this, Yusuf. Okay? I found very little discussion of this. You do, but very little. Okay? So um, this goes back to principles. What is what's his natural position? Right? Is the natural position... We discussed this... Maybe in other parts of that section is, you know, about when you're between two sajda, should you have the finger up or not? Okay? Like my uh, Zakaria absolutely addicted to having his finger up in the thing. And that is held by some scholars because they said that the natural default position when sitting, when seated in the shahud is finger up. We say, no, the natural position is hands down, which is why hands are flat in between sajda and all the way at every other time. And that this is a position to hold. Right? It's not the natural position. On that basis, when you give salam, the finger should be flat. And flat because it's the end of that. Allah knows best. Okay? Um, if a married man works but can't afford basic expenses and no savings, should he... If a married man works but can't afford basic expenses, should he ask his wife to work or take zakat money? Taking zakat money is permissible for someone who's unable to pay, uh, 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 is, is so poor that he has debts. And it is permissible for his wife to give him that zakat money. It is permissible for his wife to give that zakat money. In actual fact, it is recommended for her to do that in terms of keeping the family and protecting one's own uh, ifa and, and uh, izza whilst giving charity as well, as long as obviously husband doesn't become lazy and he's trying his best, etc., etc. Asking her to work to pay things off is not something that he can do. Putting to her and say, can you help out, is something which is allowed. All right? It's allowed. 
I think that's what I'll say. Lash lift, I've no idea what that even is. I'm guessing something to do with eyelashes or something. Is it problematic to be in a job when you are involved with supporting the setup of a faith-based charity, including some Hindu Qadiani ones? In the West, if it's part of a job that allows benefit for the Muslims at the same time, non-Muslims as well, I think it's permissible to work in that job. I think you should give some sadaqah in the year, but I think that the job intrinsically is a halal one. And I think the aspect of it sometimes then being for people that we disagree with, I think is not the primary role of the job. And I think it is permissible, Allah knows best. Is it permissible to have a long time gap between the sunnah and fard prayers? Can I pray the four rakah fard of dhuhr one hour after the four rakah sunnah of dhuhr? That is permissible. It's not good, but it's permissible. A family member has been going through serious doubts in the deen for the last few years and has just told me he has stopped praying in an attempt to not resent the prayer. He's very into philosophical and logical academic reasoning nonsense and has led him to this. I believe he's sincere in trying to find Allah again, but he is struggling. Is there any resource you can suggest that he comes He comes from an al-Maghrib background, Yaqeen background, any resources? Uh, wallahi, that's a good question. I have to be honest, I don't know Yaqeen's work very well at all, other than I know obviously Nasr and I know, um, uh, Thingy. God, his name's gone out of my mind in Australia. He kind of, you know, does a little bit of this. Guys, what's his name, man? Used to be part of Kabila Toronto, man. Astaghfirullah, I can't believe I've got his name. Married to Amina, man. Married to Amina. You know that fitness freak, Amina. You know, he's a miskin. He is the miskin volunteer in all of her videos. <laughs> Bachara. What's his name, man? He was into this, looking at this kind of stuff. Yahya Ibrahim Qasim. Honest to God, Maria, you want beats, man, I tell you. It's Zuhair, Zakmalakhir. It is Zuhair. Close, uh, Jiva, but didn't get the cake. It is Zuhair. Well done, Mazita. Okay. Um, I know because um uh Barakalofika Zakaria Susan. Zakaria, Zakaria. Um Suleiman Han. Excellent answers. Praying. And in her and in the first tashahud, two more questions. Uh, these one, this one, and uh, Awaz is one. Okay, um, no more now. She did. She was praying, and in the first tashahud, her child sat in her lap. She didn't get up until the lady got the child got out her lap, and by then the imam was in ruku' and when she went straight into ruku' as a prayer and validate. Goodness me. I don't know. She missed the whole Fatiha of Barukan. I want to say that the prayer is not invalidated. Well, she doesn't even stand and she had the ability to take the kid out of the lap. So intentionally, yani she put the kid's comfort before standing up for the prayer, which is a Rukan. Missed it entirely. I find it difficult to say, yani, you know, anything. Allah knows best. Allah knows best. You have to ask. That's above my pay grade. That's a fatwa there. 
you get your lashes permed, so it looks like they're curled for around six weeks or so. So like a thingy, and it's on display. It's on display. It's on display to the masses. What's the difference between that and what's the difference between that and long eyelashes? I think that if a person does that with the intention for one's husband, for the not going out much, and then on the odd occasion is out with those lashes like that, that make it more look look more alluring and attractive, whatever, whatnot. But that's not the intention behind it, and it's something which is the minority of the time. Then I think there's some space for that. Then I think there's some space for that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Someone who cannot afford Umrah, not Hajj. Can that person, someone who can afford Umrah, but not Hajj, can that person go for Umrah? Yes. Yes. Um, yes, they can. You're not obligated to save up for, for Hajj. Okay? You're not obligated to save up for Hajj. Oh, Salma said the woman has no money. Oh, if she has no money to give zakat, she still doesn't have to go to work. But she can be asked to go to work. Yeah? And he's allowed to take zakat money from someone else. When reciting tashahud, is the finger raised from the beginning? In our, in my opinion, yes, from the beginning. Have have we covered how to make up misraka'a when joining the prayer? Yes, we have. Someone will help you on that. And I think I'm going to call it there because otherwise we won't be... Um, uh, I think that we're not... Uh, Yeah, I think I, I've spoken about Botox before. Uh, uh, I think it's permissible in a manner which is not, uh, you know, crazy and so on. Yeah? Especially because Botox is used for corrective when things collapse and that happens, right? So if it's uh, thingy, this is a class which is in Arabic or, or, or it's a class which... Uh, if you are on the LP Telegram group, then you would know about it. Okay, it's a private class. Um, so again, it reminds you to be in uh, be in the LP Telegram group. That's where everything happens, guys. Mesa is going to share it again. By the way, Mesa, Jazakumullah khair. I appreciate you. All the way through the class, kept reminding all these packs, Yani, that press the live button, press the live button. Okay? I'm the one who tells her that. I know people are like, no, no, I'm live, I'm live. Bro, don't. Complain at her. I'm telling her to keep telling everybody. All right. Um, what's left? Umrah, guys, I think five places, four places left. I grab that if you can. No tests. 11 February, everything finished. Nothing on the way back. Buzzing temperature. Custom can't wait. Number one. Second of March. Get on that case. Secondly, if you didn't take art, this weekend starts UK time is around 7 o'clock p.m. It's an evening thing because it's West Coast time. Tell your friends, guys. Tell your friends. Tell your family, especially in the States, especially West Coast, but then those who have missed it. These next two weekends, this weekend, next weekend, is going to be for UK and so on. All right? And then for Singapore, East Coast, Pakistan, then it's going to be over uh, uh, the, the two weekends after. All right, that would be a uh, different time zone, a bit UK time zone, number one, number two. Number three, to come back to Mecca and Medina, the restrictions are not removed in 
Mecca and Medina Ghassan. Okay, they're still making social distancing. That will be removed imminently. Don't ask me exactly when, but it will be removed imminently because they made the announcement that they are increasing the Umrah uh, permits, which they reduced once Omicron, Omicron or whatever, Umul Corona rather, it started to get uh, more, you know, serious. Now too many people have become infected. It's the right direction now that we're going. So in Mecca and Thingy, that is not an issue. That will start to reduce. We're still obviously five weeks away, six weeks away, five weeks away, six. Um, and there's going to be big changes there as well. But from the European side, having to get tests and the American side to come back into your own country, that's a stress. You know what I'm saying? So that's all gone. So make sure you take what you know for that. Aqsa, guys, I'll tell you this much that I don't know whether it will be able to be or it will it will go out on social media channels because it will have to because people are expecting but the amount of people that have uh, registered for it to get the opportunity to book before it goes to social media is more than the places that are available so uh, obviously not all those people will decide to go it will be too expensive for some it is around about 900 pound 800 pounds, 900 pounds, okay? They're still trying to work out a deal with the airlines, blah, blah, blah. That's without the ticket. It is six nights, though. It is at the best hotel that, that's there in Jerusalem. So that's all the good stuff. It is a kind of a luxury type, kind. Of, it's a comfortable kind of program, and it's longer than what we normally do. Um, uh, that's going to be released next week, okay? There's, you know, it was going to be with a flight. Then they they can't, they can't get as many flights, group flights. Now they're readjusting the price, blah, 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 blah. It was going to be Friday, but I, I doubt it. It might still be Friday, but I just want you to know that if you're intending to go, then this is the trip uh, that has got the focus on it because Israel has opened everything up, blah, 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 blah. The date. Potentially 30th, very likely to be the 31st of March. Possibly 30. I know that much because that's dependent upon me. The rest of the details have got nothing to do with me, but that is dependent upon me. And I insisted that we go out of Ramadan to see what it's like when you're not in Ramadan and then for the people to experience how Muslims bring Ramadan in, especially in the Holy Lands. Something very nice. So then we start with Taraweeh, which I think is miles better in Aqsa than it is in uh but actually every Jama'a prayer in my opinion in Aqsa is better than the Jama'at in Mecca and Medina but that's my own personal opinion of course so then we get a couple of days of Ramadan so two few days before Ramadan two three days in Ramadan get both best of both worlds that's what the dates are going to be so uh there is if you go to the uh thingamajig you can put a name down not on their website, but on the social media things. And I think LP maybe, I can't remember actually. But anyway, that's that. Now, people asking about what's happening later on in the year. I am not available. So uh, obviously there'll be lots of people taking trips and whatever. But if you want to go and do the full program, the full tour, obviously the Aqsa one is very intense on Jerusalem. We're going to do a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. So if you just want a holiday, bro, then find somewhere, go with Baruj or someone. Yeah. But if you want to obviously, you know, then... Um, so that's the, the, the Botox uh, thing. Um, I don't think I will go to Aqsa again until the end of the summer. 
there is a small chance that there would be Uzbekistan, etc. in Mayish, Junish, small chance possibly. But that would only be if Hajj doesn't go ahead. If Hajj doesn't go ahead, then I will need to prepare my group uh, for three months and I would need to get myself into the state that I need to get into to make that you know, what it needs to be. Uh, Aqsa, later, later in the year. Allah knows best. Uh, Umrah before October, after March, it's possible in the end of August and September. It is possible. Unlikely, I would say 40% possible. It is almost definitely going to go in the October half term, though, because families are desperate. I like the family vibe as well. My own family, too. And uh, uh, that's obviously half term has got to be the right time for that. But yeah, I do see, especially if they do a cheap deal. What I do, The thing I hate most, guys, the thing I hate most is people taking liberties. Okay. Can someone, bloody, uh, can someone bloody, by the way, put the link into this uh, thing where that uh, a registration form is to put your name down for AXA so that they know where to get the information if someone can do that? It's on the Facebook page of Hajj with AE or the Instagram or whatever they do. I've seen, I've seen it on the Facebook. I don't know if they put it on Instagram or not, but I know that they put it on Facebook. Um, but one thing I hate most is people charging more just for the season season that really irritates me and what i do get excited by is when they do deals right and it's cheaper than normal so when that's the case because our trips are, thank you with that thank you very much um our trips tend to be more expensive we pay for a lot more things behind the scenes to make it more kind of like you know nice experience and that doesn't help then the cost of it going across as well and um, but sometimes on the other occasion, you can get really good deals like, you know, at the beginning of, of uh, thank you for Zana, uh, beginning of, uh, of September where everybody's gone back to school. And, and, you know, that's a good time to hit someplace. So it's possible. OK, yeah, that's the link. It doesn't say Aksa, but you, you, you just click on the Aksa March one. Ignore the rest and put your name down. Guys, sorry that I went on. Everybody else waiting. Sorry. I'll see you guys on this weekend for art and I'll see you everything else. Yeah. The wristband that Dome do is the wristband of power. Believe me, you'll understand what I mean when you see it. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Thank you.